Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm here with Becky Magnota. And she's a leadership coach, leadership development expert. She's the founder and consultant for Homestead Coaching and Consulting with over 30 years of corporate experience and so much more. Welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Becky, how are you? I am doing great and excited to be with you today. Yes, uh, we both love to chat about coaching, so we are in for a fun ride. Well, the first question is, I'm going to go cilantro, or for our Australian listeners, coriander. You either love it or you strongly dislike it. I'm mixing it up this week. What's your take on cilantro? Oh, I love it. Mm. And I've read that it might be genetic of why you love it or hate it. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds really interesting. See, we're off to a, we're unpacking the layers already on this episode. (laughs) So Becky, could you share with us a coaching moment that went really well and what might be some of the lessons? Oh, I have had this happen to me several times. The first time was very, very early on. And it's when you are sitting there with somebody and you get this question and it's almost like it comes from the universe. Uh, and you think about it and you ask it and it just stops someone in their tracks and causes them to just pause and really think. So the first time it happened to me was actually when I was going through my coach training and I was working with a man who was a director in sales and he was having issues with another director who had recently moved into the department. And my question was something like, what's important to him? And all of a sudden there was silence and I was doing this over the phone. And finally my client said, I'm still here. I heard you and it just hit me. I have no idea and that's the problem. Mm. And it was just one of those thrills and ever since I really pay attention to being present and having that insight and so that you can ask those simple pertinent questions and that just that just thrills me. Mm, fantastic coaching moment. I love that. Yeah, it really taps into being present, taps into trusting the intuition already such such great moments when when that happens. What about on the flip side? Could you share a moment that didn't go so well? Yeah, I've had this a couple times. Um, I was, and most recently, I was coaching an individual who was um, going through being laid off. And we were talking about what, what to do next, what he needed, where to go, anything. How does he get started? And he kept saying, I have no idea what to do. And I have so, there are so many reasons I can't do anything. I have health issues, but I don't want to go on disability. I don't want a resume. So I just, I don't want anything. And I felt like I was working with a 60 year old teenager. It just, I felt like I was working like 
crazy and nothing at all was happening. So right afterwards, I finished it and I thought about a mentor who told me you should never work harder than your client. And I started laughing at myself and going, oh my God, I was sweating bullets, but I was still bothered by it. So I actually, later that week, there's a group that I'm in that we do coaching in front of each other. And I volunteered. And I came right out and I declared, I, this week, I was such a shitty coach. I was, I was horrible. And I talked about this. And she reminded me about how learning occurs afterwards that we never, we never really know. And I realized I had planted seeds and if he decides to nurture them, it's his choice, it's his journey. As it turned out, when I saw him about a month later, he came over to me and he said, you know what, I've been thinking about everything you said. I need your help. I want you to help with my resume and let's get, get me ready for interviewing. But it, it was such a great reminder of both of those, both of those ideas. Yeah, I had a mentor as well uh, take me through the different times that people learn. When I was an early sports coach and, you know, he was just reinforcing the fact that some people, like the, the importance of having a whiteboard as well. So, you know, Emma, don't just say it. you got to show it. And then when the learning happens it may be immediate it might be during the activity might be after the activity and then he said it also might be the next day or the next session for a sports coach as well you know to be able to cover off all of those aspects what a great reminder for us to be open to leading the horse to water but not forcing it to drink i know and yeah. and again the idea of not working harder than uh -huh. your client mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean they're the ones that have got to do the heavy lifting yeah it's so much about environment isn't it like just the more we can provide that environment and then trust trust and it's letting go of trying to you know again that getting stuck in trying to fix things too isn't it sometimes oh like, yeah oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I got a good reminder about that, that you aren't here to fix anybody. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. Okay. Well, Becky, you may or may not realize this, but the reason you're on the coaching podcast is because of the next question. Mm -hmm. We had a previous guest, uh, Kim Miles, and in her sliding doors moment, she speaks, even though she doesn't mention your name, but after the show, I was like, "Who? what coach was that? I need to get her on the show. And consequently, that is why we're here. So could you share your sliding doors, one or two, What it's up to you? however many moments. Could you share that sliding door oh, with us? Absolutely. And uh, it's about how I got into coaching. Um, I had a situation where I took, I hit a wall at work. I had previously in my career been successful. Anything I tried to do, I'd been put in high potential programs. Everything's just was clicking for me. But I ended up, I had a rough year. Uh, my boss, my colleague, and uh, my, I've been trying to hire another employee, but they wanted me to look for a unicorn. And the one employee that I had had quit. So I was doing the work of three or four people. And um, I 
Finally, they hired a manager for me, and I was beginning to get guidance and support from him. But then the head of HR, he was always talking about people's ramp, which was code word for people being young. And I was in my early 50s at the time, and he made a decision that he wanted me out, which I had no idea this was going on. And my manager had fought it, in fact, saying at one point, if, if you lay her off, I'm quitting. But then he said, no, I'm the head of this department. And he decided that I would be either replaced, demoted, or transferred to another department in some way. So I, it was very, very hard for me. And I talked with my former employee and I was going, you know what? I, I think as hard as this is for me to admit, I've got to know I'm getting older. I need to accept it and take this step back. And he, he looked at me and he said, Becky, that is total crap and you need a coach. So he had a, a woman that I started working with and she was amazing. She helped me understand my values, also my strengths, and she helped me see how I got in my own way. Um, and she made such a huge difference that I ended up getting hired back into HR after that previous leader got fired. And I received several demo or promotions after that and eventually became the lead of head of leadership development and talent development. So I think that was my sliding door moment because it also made me realize I wanted to be a coach. And it was after that that I started going through certification and everything else. So for me too, one thing maybe about sliding door moments is that um, sometimes gifts come in ugly packages. <laughs> so many times the sliding doors moment, you know, frequently it's when people have been, they're back up against a wall or when you're faced to look at things in such a beautiful way with somebody else. That's uh, That's a really great Great story. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Uh, our next question is in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach? Curiosity, joy, and awe. And what was the third? Uh, awe. Awe. Mm -hmm. A-W-E. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. I say it slightly differently with my accent. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we have a little cultural thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And please now, I'd love for you to expand on each of those. What do they mean to you? Oh, curiosity, really, constantly. What's, I love when I start coaching somebody new and finding out what's your story? What are your beliefs? Um, what's going on? Tell me. So I think curiosity is such a key for a coach. And joy for me is the idea of um, you are magnificent. And you are magnificent as you are right now. You just maybe need to uncover what is it that makes you magnificent. And then ah, when you know that you've helped 
somebody uncover that mm. and just that feeling and it's like thank you lord for giving me this purpose in my life yeah i just got goosebumps when you said that because <laughs> it is it's that's the moment when it all sort of comes together doesn't it when the person unlocks the potential within themselves yeah it's mm. like you finish you finish the call or the zoom call or whatever it is mm -hmm. and you Sometimes I'm brought to tears mm -hmm. that I feel so blessed mm -hmm. by doing what I do. And other times it's, or else I'm jumping up and down and going, yes, <laughs> screaming it, you know, wow. Fantastic. And you touched on it earlier. Great questions make great coaches. Uh, so our final official question on the podcast is where we ask you to ask us a question. What's that one question that sparks your curiosity and that you always want to know more about? I think it's, it's always for a coach. It'd be the idea of, I love to hear, I love people's stories. I grew up in a family of storytellers. So what brought you to coaching and what keeps you coaching? Mm. Uh, you know, we're lucky enough in, I'm in Colorado and with the ICF chapter in Colorado, we still have some women there that were there from the very beginning mm. and they're in their eighties and they are still so passionate about what they're doing. Mm. And it's like, oh, tell me <laughs> what's going on there. Well, um, in a couple of weeks time, we actually have Judy Saber who was one of the, oh, the yeah. founders of the ICF Colorado chapter. So I've already done that interview. So listeners, uh, it'll be already out by the time Becky's interview comes out. So make sure you go back and, and check out um, the wisdom from, from Judy. It was a super fun episode. So yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. I, when we first connected, I asked you about homestead coaching, even just oh. the name behind your business. So can we, can we go back to there and, and maybe you could share a story about why it's called that? Yeah. So, um, oh, I grew up in a family owned business. My father and two uncles started a fine furniture store in the fifties called Homestead, Homestead House. And, um, they grew it. There were like, I think 11 different stores. I probably have the number wrong but it grew quite a bit. It put me through college. Uh, you know, the whole thing was really, really wonderful. And my one uncle left, the, left it, and then my dad and another uncle were still managing it. And my father became quite ill when he was in his 50s and decided he couldn't work anymore. And at that point, my uncle decided to sell it. So family hadn't had this for quite a while. But when I was beginning to think about what, what to name my company, and I thought of all sorts of things. I thought about different trees. I thought about, you know, um, clarity seems to keeping, helping people be clear seems to be a lot of what we do. And I just, nothing just felt right. And finally I went, oh my God, name it after what you grew up with. Let's mm. continue that legacy. Mm. So Homestead comes from my family's business, Homestead House. Um, and when I finally decided what to do, my uh, 
I have a cousin I'm very, very close to. She was an only child and I'm the oldest of five with, and they're all, I have all brothers. So she's like my sister. And she was coming out to spend time with me and my mom. So I decided to do the unveil with the two of them. And both of them looked at me and started crying. So I knew, boom, yes. I, had, I had picked the right thing. But it just, it makes me um, very proud. And when I think about what they stood for, um, they stood for quality. They stood for uh, really customer focus, but also my father passed uh, 30 some years ago. And I remember for such a long time, whenever I ran into people who worked for him, they would s just tell me what a great boss he was, what a great manager he was. And that's also part of my, um, my purpose, that everybody deserves a great place to work. And mm -hmm. I think you do that with great leadership, which is why I focus on leadership coaching. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some of the um, characteristics that you think makes a great leader? Oh my God, that's a great question. Um, I think it's trust, building trust and knowing how to build trust. Um, I, I think it's also empathy, so really caring about your employees and knowing that they care, that you care about them as much as yourself. Um, curious, oh my God, being really curious that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know everything. Um, how I think a lot of times, especially as people grow higher up in the ranks, Sometimes they lose that curiosity. And a lot of times they don't have people giving them feedback mm -hmm. that they're afraid to give the boss, especially at the top of the house, mm -hmm. feedback. Um, setting goals and accomplishing them and holding, knowing how to help people be accountable and giving people great feedback, giving and getting great feedback. Um, a lot of people, they either don't, and, you know, holding people accountable, that sounds too harsh, but it's like this agreement that, you know, uh, I need you to get this done by this date. Will that work for you? The negotiation. And this is why it's important. Mm -hmm. And let me know if it isn't going to work. So there's like this uh, accountability cycle mm -hmm. that people need to work through. Um, and then... I think leaders need to give people great feedback so that you are building others. That the idea of servant leadership is it's more about them than about you, mm. which is also a great way to think when you go into coaching. If you go into a session and it's not about you, it's not about you being, I'm nervous about performance anxiety or whatever. Former concert pianist, I need to work on it all the time. But it's more, how am I going to serve this person? I am here for them. So thank you for leading beautifully into my next question <laughs> around uh, you, have, you hold a bachelor's degree in piano performance. As an elite sort of pianist, how 
do you think or what are some of the important tools that a coach can help with as it relates to performance anxiety in in the piano world educate us wow i thought you were going to go a little bit different direction um self-compassion oh my goodness self-compassion uh it i've had to work really hard on that because um piano um being a concert pianist is such a competitive field part of the reason why i left is because it finally <laughs> this is yeah maybe i wasn't the smartest kid i don't know but i finally realized that you can count them almost on one hand and mm-hmm. i just thought wow if i put the same passion into anything else i could be successful but um i had to work hard on self-compassion because when you think about it's almost the same as being an elite um, athlete that everybody sees what you do mm. and they know if you had a bad backhand or if your serve you know is weak they know what I was doing was memorizing an hour's worth of classical music and everybody in the audience knew the pieces especially you had a jury that was in the audience and they knew she skipped that part. Oh, she repeated that again. Oh, she missed that note. They knew. So you were always striving for this perfection that is impossible. Like even, I think a lot of times we don't realize that recordings of classical musicians, it's not one take. It's not like a concert that they do it hundreds of times maybe and take the best clips out of everything. I didn't realize that at the time. And I really expected perfectionism from myself. So letting go of that saboteur, letting go of the way I judge myself, I'm certified in positive intelligence. Mm-hmm. So hyperachiever is one of mine. And that was hard for me to understand. Why is this bad? You know, because of it, I've gotten multiple degrees. I've gotten, I've applied for jobs. I get them. I've gotten promotions. Why is this bad? But if I want, if I want to get something and this is the deadline, I'll get it, you know? But the thing is, I didn't realize the give and take or the emotional wear and tear. So having people really uh, discern between achievement and achievement for all costs. Mm. I think that's that's important in both fields. Would, would you agree with that? I would 100% agree with that because there, I see it time and time again, the anxiety related with perfectionism and outcome-based Uh, performances that is just not realistic and it puts so much unnecessary stress and yes it you can achieve to to greatness but I think when we strive for perfection uh, we really do everything else a disservice you know we miss out on the joy of maybe playing the notes or just being out and and striking the ball or hearing the sound it makes against the strings 
whatever mm. it might be. So I think self-compassion, that's that's really awesome. Where, where did you think I was going to go? <laughs> and then maybe you can oh, answer that one. Oh, where I thought you were going to go is what do I use from my piano Ooh, in nice. coaching? Let's go there. Okay, okay. So a couple different things. One is I think I listen really well because of that, because you're always, you know, listening to subtleties. The other thing is I'm really good at recognizing patterns because like in a classical piece, you've got a theme and maybe the theme is up in the treble and there it is in the bass. Maybe it here. It, oh my goodness. Here it is, but it's slower and it's in a different key or it's, it's inverted. So different things like that. I'll notice really well. And I, I almost like an epiphany. It's like, Oh, look at this. And uh, even before you said to memorize a piece, even being able to recall something that somebody said or helping them oh, reflect yeah. on a word that they may have used that they didn't even know that they used is sounds like that. That's a, another great skill that. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. That's good. Because mm. I, I love the fact that I don't need to memorize anything anymore. So it's been like, but yeah, you're right. Let's, I'm interested now in shifting to a lot of your time spent um, as it relates to the American Talent Development Association. Uh, in, the Association for Talent Development. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still learning all this. So many acronyms. I feel like my life has exploded with acronyms lately. So thank you for um sharing that uh, about what makes a great application for many coaches out there that want to be speakers. You've got a huge background in helping speakers step into their greatness and also in helping people with their applications, because I know, I know that's something I'm working on myself as a coach. What makes a great application? Oh, wow. At least for, well, the association for talent development, ATD, they have a conference every, um, I'm going to say when it is, let's forget about what happened in COVID. Mm -hmm. Normally it's every May. So it's happening in mid-May. It will have happened by the time this is going to be aired. Uh, and in about June and July is when people start applying for the following year. The committee that reviews this gets a thousand, over a thousand applications. So it's very, very competitive. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that they look for is, first of all, be clear on what you're doing. Uh, if I need, and there were some years I had to review, uh, I, I was on the committee for five years, I believe. For about two of those years, I was responsible for everything that had to do with leadership development. And I had a couple hundred uh, applications I had to review in like two or three weeks time. So if it wasn't clear and I couldn't understand what somebody was doing, I'd read it once. Maybe I'd go, okay, let's read it again. And I'd also make sure that I wasn't like tired because I'd been doing a lot of them. But if I couldn't make sense of it, it was just not out. Mm. So that's one. Second one is I need to very, I need to be able to understand what you're going to do. I need to be able to see your slides 
because we do a lot of stuff with slides and they've got to look really, really good. And they've got to look modern and not dated. So, you know, no comic sans, you know, and just not too many words on a page, all that kind of stuff. But then the final, final piece, and this is maybe most important, is what is what is going to be the learning takeaway? What are they going to get from it? And what are they going to do with it? So I've got sort of something that I look at with every training that I put together, which is what, so what, now what? So what did you learn? The so what is, so what does it mean? You know, why is it meaningful? And the now what is, what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to make it action learning and not just somebody standing in front lecturing for an hour, which nobody needs? No, no. And I think Zoom has been great with breakout rooms. It's been one of the, the best things about it that you can be really present with somebody from anywhere in the world to be able to experience the, the learning. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. important. And I think coaching's like that too, isn't it? As at the end of our sessions, we're asking people to take action on whatever it is that, that that's come up for them. Yeah. So, and you mentioned <clears throat> at that how to help people be accountable as it relates to leadership. So how do you do that as a coach? Oh, well, as a coach, I think part of it is when you first start coaching somebody, put it out on the table. Let's talk about accountability. I don't, I'm not your mom. I'm not your grade school teacher, but how do you want to, how do you want me to hold you accountable? Um, and you know, there are some, like there was one person I worked with that she, she asked me if I would text her every now and then and just Remind her, where are you? Some people, it depends on uh, the action items they took. You know, we might start about, tell me how that went. And I'm not saying, tell me, did you do it? Didn't you do it? But just, how did it go? Okay, what got in the way? Let's talk about that. That's kind of how I do it with coaching. Ultimately, and if people, if you find that people aren't doing things, then you might you might say, hey, I've got I've got to give you some feedback. You know, we've been going here for two three weeks. Yeah. Uh, you haven't done your assignments, and you were saying that you're trying to be more. You're trying to get things done. You're trying to be more results driven. Well, I got a question. Do you really? What else is going on here? So, uh, one of the really interesting things about coaching sometimes is you've got to, it's, it's like that intuition, but sometimes with the intuition, you're going to come up with a question that you're going, Oh crap, this could get me fired. <laughs> and I, I know I have occasionally, I, I don't know if I do it as much as I should, that maybe this is a, a learning edge for me, but just the idea of saying to somebody something like that about, I question if you're really focused and you really want to get this done. They need to hear it. Oh boy, I I don't know if it's a Kim, I think it's a Kim Scott, radical candor quote. And Brene Brown says something kind of similar to it, but it's like clear is kind, 
unclear is unkind. And I, I think as leaders and also as coaches, being clear with people, I wouldn't do that until they really get to know you and you've built that trust. I mean, you don't walk in the first time and say, hey, you know, um, but once you've built that trust, you're one of the few people that can really, that maybe they will hear it. Fantastic. I call that, I call those questions laser questions. My little, my little laser coaching toolkit. What's the truth here? What's actually going on? What's behind what you just said? But uh, one of our guests uh, in the episode that came out recently, Chris Cashel, the tagline for that episode was don't be, don't ever be afraid to lose your job. Yeah. So getting clear on your values. And I'd like to sort of talk about how they, your core values really drive everything else and how you can help your clients with that. And if you could also touch on, I know you coach through strength, strength finders and the positive intelligence model that you mentioned earlier. So could you sort of tie those, those concepts together and let our listeners know a little bit more about those? Yeah. My coaching, I think of it as a a three-legged stool. So it's like being clear on your values, uh, then being clear on your strengths and how you get in your way. And uh, I use strength finders. Uh, for values, I actually use a tool that uh, Brene Brown has in her Dare to Lead Hub. It has like 150 values. And from there going through, and first time you just highlight any of them that speak to you. And then the second time through, you try to filter it down and eventually get it down. I try to get people to get three things uh, just because I don't know everything, the triad, it just works. Uh, and for me, it's really valuable in making decisions mm. um, or knowing why isn't something working for me. And uh, my, my three personally are community, curiosity, and joy. For instance, a while ago, I was asked to build a, a um, manager 101 program for a small government entity in the mountains of Colorado, which at first I went, oh, that'd be nice. I like this city. It was for supervisors of uh, technicians, so men that work like do wastewater or water improvement, that kind of thing. So I kind of, I quickly went through those. Community, mm, maybe I could put that round peg in that square hole. Um, curiosity, no, been there, done that. It's actually a kind of training. I don't like teaching people how to write people up and fire people, which is what they wanted. Joy, that one, boom. I knew in my gut there was something wrong there. It wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of use it in almost anything I do anymore, mm -hmm. which works really, really well. And it just helps me really think about what to focus on. The other thing is just in thinking about positive intelligence. It is a program that Shirzad Shamin does. In fact, um, he's, I think he's done 11 different cohorts of people going through the initial program. I was in cohort number two and got my certification in January of 2021. And I love the concept of thinking about your saboteurs. Mm. Instead of going, I am this, it's like, no, 
I've got these saboteurs. I've got a judge that screws with me. And my judge has a nickname uh, called Tyrannosaurus Bex, <laughs> which I, when I'm getting really hard on myself or hard on others or anything, I can say, oh, yeah, Becky, T. Bex says this. Let it go. And then thinking about my saboteurs, mine are hyperachiever, controller, and pleaser. And as a coach, pleaser is not good. So those are ones I, I need to be thinking about all the time. Mm. And from there, they help you be aware of when you're triggered. So you can either breathe or they have some other exercises that are getting you into your body. Or like you were talking about, I love that, the feel, like if you have a bad backswing or whatever. Yeah, like I know. Um, and then right after that, you get yourself centered and you're thinking about the sound or the feel. And you're getting yourself out of I screwed up and back into the present is mm. so big. And it, whether you're in a meeting and I, I said something stupid, no, breathe. Or I'm angry that they're bringing this up. Breathe. Mm. Concentrate on your, how you feel in your chair. Feel your toes individually. Stuff like that. Mm. And then from there, thinking about what do I need to bring forward instead? Do I need to bring empathy? So really listening and caring what this other person is trying to say and what they need. Do I need explore being curious? about what, what can we do, innovate? Do I need to start, do we need to brainstorm and come up with a third solution that's gonna be better? Navigate, do I need to really think about my values and what's important to me? And at the end of my life, what do I want to reflect on all of this? And activate, what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. um, and then the final thing too is the gift. What is the gift? There is a gift in everything. You don't get a job, it gives you the opportunity to explore what could you do better or something else is going to happen. Or mm. when you lose a job, you, you I mean, it, it sounds, I coached for a long time people in career transitions and it felt so trite to say sometimes you will find something even better, but it's so amazing all the people I've stayed in touch with and how that's really true. And one thing I just want to pick up on that you said in, in all of those fantastic pieces of advice or sharing of knowledge even is the future focus, the future-based focus, which really is a great way to really differentiate coaching and therapy. It's not like we're going into the past and digging the past up and really go it's like what's next what else can you do this has happened yes now let's go into the future and as you said identify possibilities and then yeah. come back to the present and and make it happen because yeah. you know I know when we get bogged down in the past and we all do it we can't say we don't but that's they're the they're the sleepless nights that you'll never get that that time back uh -huh. so uh I really I love that in everything you said so as we wrap up this episode, what would you say, you know, if you if you wanted to leave our coaching audience with with any 
um, great tips and just oh. yeah, some Beckyisms. Um, oh, there are so, a lot of Beckyisms. Yeah, you've, um, you've got all these years of wisdom. I, I, I don't want to finish the episode, but if, if we had to, what would you want to leave us with? Oh, you know, I, I think it's listen, listen, listen. Uh, ask simple questions. And finally, for me, and this is another one of my learning edges, is the magic of metaphor. Mm. Either listening when they come up with the metaphor and using their metaphors is ideal. But even if you don't have that, coming up with one, you know, boy, it kind of feels like your life is like a train going downhill and the brakes aren't working and see where they go with it. And then just saying, how does that resonate to you or how does that sound? And, and uh, you know, you've got the, the three-legged stool that you stand for and great things come in threes, Goldilocks and uh, three bears. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, everybody, I hope you enjoyed listening with curiosity, joy and awe. Uh, I had a great time being clear, thinking about empathy, trust, feedback, accountability, what now, so what, and now what. Thank you so much, Becky, for being on the coaching podcast. We appreciate everything you do for the coaching industry, and it was my absolute honour to interview you. Thank you. Oh, and my honour to be here. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by Transition Coach for Athletes, a global coaching, mentoring, and U.S. placement service. The service helps athletes navigate the often challenging world of choosing your best college fitness performance. Visit www.transitioncoachforathletes.com. That's the number four. If you company are interested in sponsoring the Coaching Podcast, reach out to info at emmadoyle.com dot com dot au